0: Well, again, I want to welcome you here. I'm Jack, one of the pastors, and if you're new, um, we worship for a little bit, and then we kind of look into God's word and and dive into some of his truth, and then we're gonna take a moment and have an opportunity for communion, and you're invited as a follower of Jesus to partake in that, and we kind of, kind of, trying to create some space for you to have a moment to reflect. And we'll end tonight with a couple worship songs. So if you're new, that's kind of where we're going. And tonight, I want you to take your Bibles if you have it, or you can actually go on your phone. Uh, if you open up the Version Bible app and click on Live Events, you'll see Element City Church there. And you can follow along with all of our notes and scriptures and things we're going to be looking at tonight. As we look into Luke chapter 12, I want you to answer this question. How many of you, raise your hand, have ever worried about something? Perfect, that's 100% participation. We all have this in common, don't we? That there's some things that come along in our lives that that cause us concern, cause us to kind of deepen down into our care. They have things that we worry about and and worry is universal. It it crosses every gender, it crosses every tax bracket, age bracket, uh, socioeconomic status, uh, wherever you are in life, it crosses that. Every person deals with worry and tonight I want us to look at the reality of what Jesus has to say about worry because my hunch is it may help you. Whether it's small worries like you're standing outside the door getting ready to turn the doorknob to go in to the interview. Oh, how many of you worry about doing interviews, right? Like, what's your greatest weakness? I don't have any. Um, you just, and like all those different strengths. Maybe it's the, if you're a guy, maybe it's this idea of all the worry that comes with, should I ask her out, should I not? All the kind of, the stress that comes with those things. Maybe it's a simple worry if like the test comes across your desk and you're like, did that 12-hour cram session, was that really enough? I don't know. And maybe, you know, all those different things and portions of life. Maybe it's deeper worries that you have in life. Maybe it's you're sitting on the couch next to the phone waiting for the telephone call to come from the doctor's office that you left yesterday. And you know the results are coming, you just don't know what they are. And you have these worries that go on in your mind. Maybe as a parent, if you can relate uh, to this, or grandparents, those haunting moments at night when you tuck your kids in, you're walking out of the room, and you begin to wonder to yourself, am I doing enough? Am I I preparing them for the next season of life? Am I doing this right and all those questions and all the worries that can come with that. Am I preparing them to, to tackle the tough questions and to, to make the, the hard decisions that they're gonna have to make in life. Maybe you have older kids and you've watched them make decisions that are maybe different from what you'd wish for them and, and you worry about where things are gonna go, or maybe it's that health concern, that nagging part of your life. It's like, is it just gonna be like this? Is it just gonna be breakdown after breakdown health-wise, or is it ever gonna get into like an opening, into a clearing where things are just gonna be smooth sailing for a little bit? Maybe it's all these kind of worries that you have. Maybe it's family members that you worry about that maybe they don't know Christ yet, or, or you're trying to figure out where they are in faith, or you're just trying to help them make better choices and decisions in life. It's All these things that we can worry about. And the fascinating thing with worry is worry really doesn't help you. In fact, what Jesus is going to get into tonight is drilling down on some of the distractions and, and even the danger side of worry and the unnecessary nature of it. And worry is not so much even for the present, it's always for the future, isn't it? It's most of the time it's about things that are out in the future and you play out all the scenarios. How many of you are worst case scenario people? Yeah, and like you've got 15 worst case scenarios of what's gonna happen and probably none of them are gonna actually play out but you play them all out in your head and you've lost every single time. And so you're trying to figure out how can I bubble wrap my life to control the situation and the truth is you don't have control. Thanks, preacher. Thanks. appreciate that. That's really good. Glad I came tonight. Um, Listen, you never had control. It's in a mirage. It's an illusion that you can have wisdom to help you make good decisions and project the trajectory of your life a little bit, but even that, you don't ultimately have control over. And so what the scriptures have to say about this idea of worry has a lot to deal with what Lyle was mentioning earlier, just this idea of trust and this idea of wisdom. There's kind of an intermixing of all this kind of stuff. But tonight I want to look at a passage in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read kind of a big chunk of it. And I want us just to kind of hear from the words of Jesus. And we'll unpack it a little bit. And then I want to look at some application of what it means from the biblical perspective to deal with worry. Because here's the truth. Worry will come knocking on your door. It will. It is your choice to choose to let it in, unpack its bags, and move in with you or not. But worry will come knocking on the door of your heart and the door of your life. And it's your choice what you do with it. So Jesus begins to tell this story in Luke chapter 12. He's talked a little bit about money and we're gonna actually look at that in a couple weeks and what Jesus has to say about money and resources and and he's teaching his disciples and he has this conversation with his disciples then and I believe with his disciples, his followers today. That's us. And he begins to look at this idea of worry. Here's what he says, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. We'll start there. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, Do not, what? Worry. So you're tracking with Jesus so far. Do not worry, Jesus. Do you understand? This is an election year. Like, there's a lot to worry about. You know, just no, no, no. Do not worry. Jesus is saying, Jesus, you don't understand. Like, uh, my check goes like this far, and like Friday is like further. Um, like, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. He says. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. He's speaking to practical needs of those in the first century who live hand to mouth, right? They don't have necessarily savings accounts and checkings accounts. and the, Everything they need is they need this for today. And so he's speaking about the reality of their life. He would speak maybe something a little bit different to us, and the realities of our life in the here and now, but also the futures, expectations, parenting, the, all the concerns about a house and which job and should I switch jobs and all these kind of things that we get worried about, he would interject these here. He says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what, you will, uh, what your body will wear, for life is far more than food and your body far more than clothes. Consider the ravens, They do not sow or reap. They don't have storerooms or barns. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Can I get an amen? We are more valuable than birds. Yes. Jesus says so. What he's saying here is, look, he's he's a lesser greater than. Is a teaching style Jesus would have used often and you read through it in the scriptures, he's gonna give a lesser example and then give a greater example. Look, the birds, they don't worry about stuff, and God, he takes care of them, and you are so much more valuable than a pigeon. Yes. He goes on. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about all the rest of the stuff that occupies your mind you might put in there? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. Solomon, the richest, wisest guy who ever lived, and his wardrobe didn't match what the mountainside wardrobe is that God provides. You're so much more valuable than them. He goes on, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more? Will he clothe you? Will he take care of your needs? You of little faith. What's interesting in the Greek is uh, this particular passage here in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, what you'll read there is, is literally Jesus is saying, you, you little faithers. It's the only time it appears in scripture. It's almost like this derogatory term of like, you, you little faithers. Just have faith. And he goes on, and he's kind of really drilling down And it feels a little pushy. He goes on, "Uh, you have little faith. And don't set your heart on what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all these things and your father knows that you need them. Your father knows that you need them. Jesus begins to really drill down on the distraction and the danger of what worry can be if left unoccupied, if it, if it knocks on the door of your heart and your life and you let it move in, Jesus is saying this is a place where you don't want to be and you don't have to be. It's not a reality for you. See, worry is irrational. Worry exaggerates everything, right? Right? It's a little tiny worry that you have and you doomsdayers, you worst case scenario people, and that's wise to think about plans, it's good, but for some of you, you dwell on them. Like, you're professional worriers. Jesus is here to help you tonight. He's gonna say, that's not a profession you have to own. You can actually let that one go, because worry's irrational. It exaggerates everything. I don't know if you're a parent, maybe you've seen these little tiny people that you put in water and they expand like 10 times their size, that's worry. It's like a little tiny thing in your life and you begin to stew on it and worry about it and it's like it expands, begins to take over and it begins to hold your mind and your emotions even hostage, doesn't it? And you're consumed by it. Worry is not natural. And the entire creation, the only creation that worries is humanity. Dogs don't worry. Cows, don't worry. Birds, they don't worry. Cats, they don't worry. They cause worry, but they don't worry in and of themselves. The entire creation, the only creation that worries is humanity. It's not natural. You hear people say, I'm worried sick. Maybe you've used that phrase. There's truth to that. In fact, your body was not put together in such a way to carry the weight and concern of what worry is. And we talk about the reality of how it begins to have psychological and begins to have even medical effects upon you. You can read science about that. There's great truth to realize that this worry has a weight to it that you don't need. Worry is not natural. There are babies being born tonight in Tucson. And they are not born with worry wrinkles. They might be born with wrinkles, but that's a different story. You did not come into this world worrying of any time in your life when you should have, it would have been then, why? Because you couldn't do squat, could you? Well, squat, that's all you could do. But you couldn't do anything. Like people had to dress you, clean you up, do everything for you, you had no capacity to help yourself of any time when you should worry, that should be it, right? Yet you weren't born a natural worrier, which gives you hope if you struggle with worry because if you had to learn how to worry, you can learn how to unworry. You can unlearn that trait and not let it be something that takes you captive and holds you hostage in your life. You can get to a place where you begin to go somewhere different, and Jesus is driving home a point. He's not gonna give us an action step till the very end. In fact, I didn't even read the verse yet that I want you to see, but what I did read at the very end, verse 30, was this. The pagan world runs after all these things, over all these concerns, over all these cares of the world, and they worry about it, and it it drives them crazy. And they put so much energy into this. But your heavenly Father knows what you need. As far as I can tell, Jesus is the first person to ever begin to cast God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, as a heavenly Father. In fact, in the Old Testament, you'll read about how God saves his people and he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And there's this deep reverence that's there that should be there. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes onto the scene. He begins portraying God and his character and who he is and what he's really like as a heavenly father. Where does that happen? Well, the most obvious one you might think is, is, well, the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, And you might think of how it begins. This idea of our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Maybe that's the first place you go to, but I want you to think about Jesus as a teenager, 12 years old. And Jesus gets lost by his parents. How many of you parents have lost your kid before? It's okay. (laughs) Jesus' parents lost him. Let's think about that for a second. Mary and Joseph, they've traveled to Jerusalem. They're leaving Jerusalem. They look at each other. Where is Jesus? You've lost the Messiah? (laughs) Think about that conversation as they're journeying back to Jerusalem. And where do they find Jesus? Is he hanging out at the local Circle K? No. Where is he hanging out? A friend's house? No, is he couch surfing on someone, a person that he met, like, hey, my parents ditched me. Can I crash at your place? No. Where do they find him? In the temple. And what does he say to them when they walk up and they find him there? Well, didn't you know that it had to be where? In my father's house. The first time we see in scripture that Jesus begins to introduce the concept that the creator of the heavens and the earth in all the majesty and magnitude of that is actually at the same time, a heavenly father who is intimately attuned and aware. And as you begin to see Jesus live out ministry, kind of what Brian talked about last week in this idea of Jesus and prayer, why are the disciples asking Jesus to teach them to pray? because he's praying to a heavenly father and they don't know that concept. That's brand new to them. This idea that God could be known as a heavenly father. Paul goes on, he takes it even further, and he says we can know God as Abba. It's a term like daddy. Your daddy knows what you need already. This is fascinating, mind-blowing when you begin to get your mind and your heart around it. See, Proverbs chapter 12 talks about a weight of worry. Those of you who have struggled with worry, you realize you know that weight that it carries around with you as you just have this feel. And Proverbs 12 says this, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Worry has this weight to it. In the English, the old English word for worry is this idea of to choke or to strangle. Doesn't worry feel like that? When it's consuming, it's like it's choking or strangling us in where we are. See, worry cannot change the past. It cannot control the future. It just messes with your present. That's the reality of worry. And Jesus is trying to drive to his followers then and to his followers now when worry comes knocking on your door, you don't have to answer it and let it move in. There's a different way. In fact, the scriptures begin to speak of this way, and I believe, friends, with all my heart, that we live in a culture in in a historical moment where I think the enemy loves to use worry to mess with people. I, I believe worry fosters and grows deeply in a culture of fear. And I believe we're living in a time where the enemy loves to stir up fear. You don't have to look very far to find it. It is all around us. And the more we give in to allowing that to have leverage into our lives, the more worry can begin to creep in and begin to take us to places that we don't need to go. That's what Jesus is saying here. You don't need to let worry in. Now, you have a brain. You were given a brain. You were told to use it. That doesn't mean we don't practice wisdom. It doesn't mean we don't think about things and try to play out scenarios. That's not what this is saying. This isn't the idea of some prosperity gospel. This is a reality gospel where it says, hey, we don't have to let worry own us because of who has already bought us and who has already placed his seal on us. Worry doesn't have to dominate you if you choose to look a different way. See, worry has a way of pulling into us and we can play out those of you who said, hey, I'm a worst case scenario person and you can spend a lot of energy trying to play out all the scenarios in life and worry in a lot of ways is like a rocking chair. You can rock fervently and crazy in a rocking chair and go nowhere. You'll make no progress, but you'll flail around. And friends, that's worry. When we let worry move in, when it knocks on the door and we say, come on in, then we flail around a lot and we expend a lot of energy, but we don't make any progress. And worry has this way of driving us with fear. And yet, we know from the scriptures that we weren't given a spirit of fear. We were given a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, the Apostle Paul says. That you've been sealed as a follower of Jesus. Now, maybe you're here and you're investigating who Jesus is. Then I want to encourage you to really investigate him, to really think about it, to, to maybe journey with us all the way to Easter, to hear more about what Jesus is in life and why he came and what his life can actually mean for you because friend, there is hope available to you. There's this great challenge as we go through worry uh, to let it dominate us, but we can actually hold it at arm's length with some different challenges to say, look, I don't have to give in to a spirit of fear. I get to live with a spirit of power in Jesus and love and self-discipline that I don't have to be consumed. God, I understand that you as a heavenly father have, you're in my corner, and I can approach the worries and anxieties of life differently because of who's with me, not because of who I am, because of who's with me. I get to navigate it different. And So here's the application. I want to look at one particular phrase that Jesus says in this last part of this chapter here that is one of the keys, I think, to helping you deal with worry. When worry comes knocking on the door of your heart or your life, what do you do in those moments? And I think there's a couple key passages that the Bible has in one key thing that Jesus speaks about. So I wanna give you those three things right now. One of those, the first one is this. You don't stop worrying by telling someone to stop worrying. So like if you're a worry wart and, and someone who's consumed by worry, uh, me being up here saying, hey, stop worrying doesn't do anything, otherwise it would've done something. Because people have probably told you, you've probably told yourself that, right? You've had the own self-talk. But this idea of worry, we read in Proverbs that worry has this weight to it. It's almost like when you're carrying around the weight on the concerns and the cares of your world, right? And that's when worry begins to become consuming. And here's what First Peter chapter five says about what we're to do. He says this, uh, this is Peter writing, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Humble yourself before God. God is God. You are not. Stop trying to do his job. You do your job, which is you can't control everything. You never had control anyway, so why are you trying to control everything? So that's his job. He's got authority and ownership over everything. You don't. You're a manager. Be a good steward of it. Be wise, but that's your role. Know your role. So be humble, humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up. And then this beautiful verse, here's what it says, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety on where? On him. Don't carry your anxiety around trying to care for all of your cares of the world and and take care of everything. You don't have to carry it by yourself. Cast all of your anxiety on him because why? He cares about you. God is not aloof with you. He is not dialed away into other different things of trying to run a universe. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, that's easier to count than others, but he knows He's dialed into your life. He's not distracted by other things. He actually knows what's going on. Isn't that what Jesus was saying? Don't be consumed and turn your heart over to running after all these things. Your heavenly Father already knows that you need him. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares about what happens to you. How many of you have been fishing before? Fishing is is pretty simple, right? You got the rod, and and you've got the lure on there, and when you reach back, and then you cast it out. And here's the point. The fish don't hang out by your feet in the boat. True, never seen that. That's not where the fish are. Correct me, fishermen. right? That's not where they are, right? They're out there. And so you've got to cast out there. And literally in Greek, that's what this is saying. You've got to cast your anxiety onto God and away from your proximity. This isn't about you trying to deal with it or you trying to carry it or you trying to muster up the energy to, to keep moving forward. This is about saying, hey, I'm going to let God handle this. I'm gonna let him work on I'm gonna cast my anxiety on him because he cares about me. He actually dialed into my life. He knows when I was a kid, and baseball season would come around and back in junior high when I was actually growing taller. (laughs) Okay, um, short joke. So I would go to my dad and I would say, hey, I need new shoes. I never once went to my dad and said, hey, I need new cleats for baseball, so let's sit down and figure out how we're gonna afford them. I'm gonna do a lemonade stand and we're gonna figure out, I'll chip in this much and you chip in this much and we figure out a battle plan of how to get shoes. I never once did that. You know what I did? Dad? I need new shoes. Baseball season starts next week. You know what happened? It's this amazing thing. Shoes showed up. (gasps) My dad took care of it. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares about what happens to you. I don't have to remind God about my cares and my concerns. He already is dialed in. He already knows our needs. But He wants us to bring it to Him. He wants us to, to bring our concerns to Him. Maybe a second one is this taken out of Philippians chapter 4. Paul's writing to this early church, and he says, Look, when, when worries begin to consume you, when anxieties begin to pop up, I want you to think. You can worry less by asking more. You can worry less by asking more. Here's what he's saying in Philippians chapter four. Do not be anxious about anything. What'd he say there? Do not be anxious about what? Anything, anything, okay. So like, does anything fit outside of anything? Nothing. So anything is anything. Well. Jesus, I don't know, I've got this new business going and I just, uh, hey, that's anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, Jesus, I got this test coming up, it's a big time test for where, where I'm going in life, I got this placement that's gonna happen. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, Jesus, you don't understand, it's a, it's a difficult year, it's a you know economic climate out there and I've gotta sell this house. And I just, do not be anxious about what? Anything. Instead, here's what he's saying. You don't tell someone to stop worrying by stop worrying. They gotta redirect. Instead, here's what you do. Instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving in your heart, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In Greek, it's literally this idea of like a samurai warrior stands guard over your heart and your mind. As someone who has trusted their life to Jesus, and you have a heavenly Father who already knows what you need, you have a heavenly Father who says, I'm available, just cast your anxieties on me, you don't need to carry that by yourself. You have a heavenly Father who's saying, look, you can worry less by just asking more, get me involved, let me know, I already know I'm more so just trying to get you to know I'm here. You come to me. You lean into me and present your request. Here's the truth. Worry magnifies my problems. But prayer magnifies my God. And when we're invited in to say, look, I don't have to worry. I can worry less by asking more because I'm actually magnifying who God is and what he's really like as a heavenly father, as a a spiritual daddy for me. And I can come before him and I can bring this to him and I can begin to see God move. Jesus is telling these folks, look, you can be different than those around you. The pagans run after all these things, they're consumed by it but not so with you. Friends, I believe that one of the primary ways that Christians in this day and age, in our culture, can let people begin to see God alive in their heart is living with a quiet confidence that God's in control and I don't have to be. That I don't have to be consumed by worry. The reality is you are gonna go through the same challenges, the same circumstances, the same struggles that your friend at the office is gonna go through. But when you go through it with the Heavenly Father who says, I'm in this with you, and you don't have to let worry consume you, then you shine bright in a world that's becoming dark, consumed by worry and fear. And I think one of the opportunities we have as the church, you're the church, I'm the church, is for us to live with a quiet confidence in God. To say, God, I know when anxiety and worry comes, I'm just gonna do my part to cast it onto you. I'm gonna do my part to lean into you and trust you and present my request to you and you, your peace, you say your peace is gonna stand guard over my heart and over my mind. And would you just help me to live with a quiet confidence that I'll use my brain and I'll do the parts I need to do. I'm going to work like it depends on me, but I'm going to trust like everything depends on you because it does. I can't control everything. And when we live with that kind of quiet, godly confidence, I believe a watching world takes notice because we live in a world that's consumed by worry and fear. And a quiet, godly confidence stands in stark contrast to that, that's what Jesus is saying, is look, the the culture runs after all these things, they're consumed by it, it captures their attention, but it doesn't have to be with you. You have a heavenly Father who already knows what you need, he's already dialed in. And then Jesus goes into this last verse, in verse chapter 31, Here's what he begins to say. It's the only active thing Jesus says in here. He's, he's basically saying, lesser or greater, I'm telling you, you don't have to worry, but here's what I'm calling you to do. Thirdly, this is the third thing. He says this. <clears throat> the pagan world runs after all these things. Your father knows that you need them, but you seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. You seek first God's kingdom, his will, his way. You seek that out first and God will take care of all the rest. Here's the truth, your devotion will drive your emotions. What you devote your time and energy and mindset to will drive what your emotions go to. And what happens is he's showing this contrast, the world runs with great devotion after all these cares and concerns and worries and it consumes them from the inside out. But you, friend, as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of God, you seek first God's will and his ways and as you do that, you trust that your heavenly father, he already knows what you need. Your heavenly Father is available to cast your anxieties and your cares. You don't have to carry the weight of that worry by yourself anymore. Your heavenly Father says, you bring that to me, and my peace, I will give to you, and it'll stand guard over you. You seek me first and foremost, and I'll take care of the rest. That doesn't mean we don't make plans. It doesn't mean we don't think through things. It just means we live with a quiet, godly confidence that worry, when it comes knocking at your door, you don't have to answer it. That's what Jesus is saying. Worry will come, and it will knock, and it will knock loudly. But friend, you don't have to let it in. You don't have to answer the door. Now, for some of you, you're sitting here and a couple of you even told me, like, I'm a professional worrier. So not what I do, I'm a gifted. Well, no, look, you learned that. You can unlearn that. And here's the challenge the invitation I give to you this week. Find 10 minutes this week before next Sunday. You find 10 minutes with a blank piece of paper and you begin writing down in the areas and the arenas of your life the things that are consuming you that are beginning to devote your attention and therefore your worry to it and I want you to read those things out loud and maybe look back at Luke chapter 12 of this passage and read it out loud and then say to God, God, these are the things that consume me and I'm tired of carrying the weight of worry by myself. So, you're my heavenly father. You already know what I need. Listen, wants are different than needs, remember that. My mama taught me that. You already know what I need, God. So I'm gonna cast my cares and my anxieties upon you because you say you care about me, and I'm gonna bring my worries to you, and I'm just asking that you would give me a peace, And that it would stand guard over my heart and mind, and we live this day together, that I don't have to carry worry around. I get to actually travel light with you. I don't have to have that weight weighing me down because you're a heavenly Father who already knows what I need, and I wanna seek your will and your way first and foremost, and as I do that, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna hold up your end of the bargain, that you already know what I need, and you promised it to me as I seek you first. That's how you deal with worry, when it comes knocking on your door. You, as a follower of Jesus, don't have to answer the door. You can simply redirect it to your heavenly Father so Father, I pray tonight that <clears throat> as we continue to wrestle with this idea of worry, it's, it's something that can be totally consuming to us. It's something that can start really small and all of a sudden it just expands like 10 times and it's irrational, it's unnatural, it's, it exaggerates. It takes us to places that we don't want to go. And Father, tonight as we continue in worship, we just wanna lay this at your feet. We wanna be a people who when worry comes knocking at the door, we don't have to answer. We can instead turn to you as our heavenly Father who already knows our needs. We can cast our anxiety on you. We can worry less by asking you more. That if it's big enough for me to worry about, it's big enough for me to pray about. And I can bring that to you. And Father, that you would meet us We thank you that uh, you took care of our biggest need. You took care of our sin problem by sending your son Jesus to pave a way and to make a way for us to have a relationship with you that we might be forgiven. That's a problem we couldn't fix in ourselves, but you saw that it was a need, and so you fixed it yourself. And if you can take care of our biggest need then you can take care of every little tiny need. They're so small compared to you. They're not insignificant, you care about each one, you care about us, but they're so small in comparison of your power and your greatness. And so as we take a moment to think and reflect, so maybe we carve out 10 minutes this week to write out some of those concerns, I pray that those would be prayers to you and that you would replace those prayers of worry with a sense of your peace that surpasses our ability to even understand and that you would make us a people who live with a quiet, godly confidence that a watching world would take notice of and want to see and know about. So remember your life, your death, your resurrection, Jesus, as we take communion here, as we worship you in these next couple songs. We love you.